0: I follow like this, one of my friends, which is like his own real estate company. So I follow it just to support and like they be posting the prices of like what they just sold. It's crazy. Like this one thing in Dorchester just sold. It's like for $800,000 and guess how big it is? Like 1500 square feet.
1: 800. Oh no! <laughs> in Dorchester too. That's like Dorchester is is like an up and coming market. That's that's not even. Yeah, that's tough. Man. <laughs> well, in other news, I've I've uh, I just signed the application for a oh, product nice. I'm moving into. Where is um, it? In Dorchester. It's in Dorchester. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Without a Roadmap. A podcast for product folks who don't have all the answers. My name
0: is Jonas joined here by my co-host Cameron and for once in a while we don't have another guest so it's just us two
1: <laughs>
0: nobody to introduce
1: it's very strange it is very strange it's been what about six episodes six to
0: eight probably no, yes. most
1: of this year right? Most of so yeah far. most most of this year we've had somebody on the show uh you know most of the folks who listen in um, like to hear other voices other than ours, as much as we <laughs> like to hear our own voices. <laughs> but uh <laughs> we've learned a lot you know we I think we've touched on a lot of different topics. we've spoken to people from product to success to you know the executive teams at their various startups, and uh, you know, I just felt like it'd be a great opportunity for us to kind of circle back and kind of talk about some of the things going on at parlor. What's uh, kind of on top of mind for us. And um, yeah, it's good to, it's good to just have the two of us though.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think today we wanted to kind of just go over, um, like you said, just kind of what's going on in parlor and also talk about um, product adoption. You know, once you release a feature that work isn't done, you also have to get your customers or users to actually use the feature so that it's actually worthwhile that you spent everybody's time and money um, building that thing. So that's, that's the main topic of our conversation today. And I think based off everyone we've had on the past couple of months, we probably have a lot more insight into product adoption because we've talked to both product and customer success folks. So I feel like we have a wealth of knowledge we've gained from our, our previous discussions on this stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think, obviously, uh, product options, you know, important at every stage of the company and, you know, has been for Parler as well. But, um, Cam, I figure it might be helpful for you to kind of set the stage as to why it's like, particularly important for us now at, you know, kind of the, the place that we're finding ourselves at Parler and um, kind of, you know, what's precipitated this, uh, you know, this newfound interest in this area.
0: Yeah, I think the main reason is that we now have a lot more customers, thankfully. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so now we have a lot more customers, a lot more people using our product on a daily or weekly basis. And we also are, uh, we've increased our cadence in which we release features, right? So now we have a bunch of new new users, new customers, and we have a bunch of new features within our product. And so... Um, being a startup, we want to make sure that our users are getting value out of what we're delivering for them. And so that when we are trying to raise our next round of funding, whenever it may be, uh, we have these referenceable customers that can say, hey, look, they've been releasing all this stuff. I'm enjoying it. Um, I really am bought into the future of this stuff. And I love the team and support them. And so hopefully that um, attracts investors to want to invest in us going forward.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think the other piece is that
1: You know, for customer satisfaction, uh, it's really important that you're, um, you know, making sure that not only are you building the things that the customers want, but that you're, you know, making sure that they're actually engaging with them. Uh, You know, even myself as a user of a number of different products, uh, I, can tell you the number of times that you know I went on without actually engaging with, with functionality that I actually understood exactly. as valuable, directly valuable to me, and you know, whether it's a lack of education or um, missing that email announcement, uh, that you know kind of caused that, uh, you know. I, I, at, the end of the day, it's, it's really up to the company, the, the product team, the marketing team to make sure that, you know, you're not only aware of this new functionality, but that you're using it and getting value out of it. Um, and, and so we thought it would be really important to, to kind of dive deep into the concept of, of product adoption that's, that's so important to everything that we do.
0: Yeah, I think an- another big factor in, in that is that we're building the new product, right? And so a lot of this is coming from um, our internal conversations of what we think is valuable, what we think is important and what we think can move the business forward. And so when we build these features, we want to make sure that they actually make sense and that we're mm-hmm. not just drinking Eat our that own validation. Yeah. No, no just <laughs> drinking our own Kool-Aid because if we're just building stuff and people are like, this is not doing anything that will help me or what I expect to get out of parlor, but we want to make sure we're getting that early feedback. And so if we're needing to change directions in terms of making a pivot or just, tweaking some UI stuff within um, a feature we just released. We get that feedback early rather than building a whole bunch of stuff and waiting three or four months down the road until we actually realize that no one's using feature XYZ because of either like a minor UI update or they just never understood the value of, of it as we move forward. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So really all that it comes down to is that building the features is just step one. Uh, your job is really—it's never done, but it's certainly not finished uh, until those features that you built are adopted. Um, so I think a lot of companies can build their own customized post-release plan or you know release checklist. And um, you know we're not going to say anything that we share today is a, you know an exhaustive list. Uh, but uh, Cam, I'm curious—what what do you think is the first and most important thing that you do as soon as uh, you know maybe as a feature is
0: about to be released? or as soon as it is released i think the one of the most important things i wouldn't say it's the most but in my opinion is having some form of documentation of how the thing actually works right because once it gets to production and or once you're starting to train other internal teams on the new feature so that they can go either sell it or then um, have their customers start using it people need to know how it works right because if There's not a shared understanding of how the thing you're about to release or what's being worked on works. There's gonna be a whole bunch of questions coming in to you as a product person or to you as a team who's responsible for the feature asking why isn't this working this way like hey this is a bug and it could actually not be a bug it's just how you intended it to be built but there's just this misalignment of how the feature should work and so one of the most important things is just having a place where everyone can go view and say hey this is how this feature works and this is how we should train about it and this is how we should um, talk about it to external folks whether those be actual customers or prospects or other people in the sales pipeline. So I think that's one of the most important things is having this documentation because the, the product that your users actually interact with that click around on the internet or an in app, that isn't the only product experience. They also, uh, they also experience how you document things, how, how they work, right? Because a lot of folks, when they have a question, They don't always want to talk to somebody. They kind of just want to figure it out themselves. Like I'm one of those people. I'd rather figure it out first if I can, and then ask later if I can't figure it out. And so another aspect of the product experience is your product documentation.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think another piece there is the kind of the need internally for, um, you know, documentation to help somebody like the customer support or the customer success team easily access information around um, how things are supposed to work so that they can quickly relay that information to the customers that they're working with. So, you know, making it as po- easy as possible to basically enable other teams to to kind of, you know, provide that education that's gonna eventually drive that adoption. Uh, And, you know, I think, like you said, it's, um, it's really, an, it, I think it's attached to the product releases. You know, right. it's, a, it's essential. And I'm, I'm curious, your thoughts on on who is this? Uh, who's responsible for documentations? Or you know, in, in your experience, since you've worked at some larger companies, um, you know, we can speak from our experience. Like we're the ones writing the support documentation at Parler. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it, does this usually fall on the marketing side? You know, is there you know somebody on the more technical sides? Maybe at certain companies, who are, who are working on. This? or is it just flexible
0: um so there's kind of some other things that go into this i think one it depends on the type of product you have right so a lot of people just sell like data marks or just back-end tools so that that documentation may fall more on like the developers and technical teams other stuff like our products that have both the back-end and the front-end um It can go down, it can be split between product and engineering teams, but I think ultimately whoever is responsible for shipping that feature should be responsible for doing the documentation right because you know the ins and outs of how it actually works and how everything flows through the system. And so I think that person should be at least responsible for the internal documentation of documenting how things work for other teams to look at internally to understand how the product works, how you're thinking about things. And then for some companies that are larger, they actually have like, documentation teams where um, those folks actually take the internal documentation that the product person or whoever is responsible for shipping that feature product person, product owner, whatever it may be um, writes internally. And then they, the documentation person looks at that and turns that into like uh, external client facing documentation that has like its own web portal and things like that. So I think it depends on the size of your organization, more enterprise customers, people will have, that documentation team to handle the external facets of it. And I think in our um, case, we do it because we're a lot smaller. So we just do both, right? We do both the internal and the external documentation because we're just a smaller team. Yeah. So it's,
1: I think the, the core thing is that you make it easily digestible, um, you know, uh, even for more complex products, just making sure that, um, you know, the layman can can pick it up and, and run with it and, you know, just covers the bases. So, all right. That's interesting. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, that should parlor continue to grow at this pace, that there's an expectation somebody will eventually take that load on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like yeah, we spent all this time building the feature, and then yeah. it's like, oh man, like all right, now we have to figure out how to talk about it externally. That's another yeah. challenge.
0: It is a lot. It is a lot. It's a great segue into like the the product announcements, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, something that that I've taken a little bit more ownership of is is kind of you know you know. What's, what's more external facing uh, than you know actually announcing the release to your, to your customers and you know we've talked a lot in the past about how to you know best re- you know announce new features to your customers it's ideal that you do it you know both over email as well as in product if possible um, but the actual announcement documentation itself is actually like really different from uh, the actual support documentation both of which might be external facing but um, I think the the product release lease itself, it, you know, should kind of act as, um, you know, like an educational um, and, and kind of marketing product marketing experience. So um, not only letting them know what's new, uh, but what's changed and why it's going to change their experience. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's, you know, really an opportunity for you to, you know, not just tell them exactly how it works, but you know, how it's gonna make life better for them and get them excited and kind of rallied around
0: this new functionality. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest part about that is doing it in as few as words as you possibly can right Mm -hmm. because especially for sending things over email like if you just send a product announcement that has like two thousand words in the email no one's no one's going to read that they're going to look like immediately yeah they're going to look for like the first they're going to read the first sentence and maybe scan to see if they can see like something that's bolded or highlighted to see (laughs) to to read that and then they're going to either go into your product when they start their day or whenever they they go back to work to log in or they're just going to ignore it forever. Right. So you have, you know, like, you spend all this time working on the new feature and you have to announce it and you have to like really nail like the 25 words you can use to describe like what's new or what's changed and what's new and how it's going to improve their experience. And you have like 25 words to do that, which is like super hard. It could take mm-hmm. you a full day to, to think of the best 25 words you can.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, between Cam, Casey, um, you know, it's on our marketing team and myself. We've definitely spent spent a day you know, putting <laughs> together a, a product release announcement. Um, you know, it's it it, it it you know we're trying to make it so that it doesn't feel secondary. That you know, I know um, I think it's Amazon has the whole idea of building the the product announcement um, before you actually start building the feature, and I think that's a nice goal, like kind of uh, yeah. you know goal to to set. <laughs> we haven't quite gotten there yet, but um, it's really like you know. Just kind of a forcing function for understanding how are you going to, uh, you know, how is this going to, you know, bring value to the customers, um, you know, because mm-hmm. that's part of the announcement, but also like how are you going to explain that value in as plain and clear terms as possible, um, and I think that's just one piece of of kind of like new product education. Um, you know, there's there's also kind of building guided walkthroughs that that might come with that. There, you know, might be calling things out directly in the product, specific elements. Um, you know, I'm sure most folks are familiar with kind of those tutorial flows um, in, in the product that, you know, can kind of accompany something like that to, to really drive uh, engagement or adoption, especially for uh, something like a brand new portal or a new product area. Um, but you know, I think at the very least making sure that you're sending an announcement over email, uh, particularly, you know, ideally in product as well. Um, And then, you know, and I think in some cases also we're talking about the idea of kind of building um, specific training guides, uh, you know, so kind of the next step past an announcement uh, where you're talking about kind of what, why this is valuable to a customer, but also, you know, how are you going to actually adopt this feature at your organization? Um, And I think that we see that at larger kind of enterprise companies, or even just companies that have um, kind of a more white glove customer success um, experience. And I think that's where kind of that internal documentation comes in hand. It's like, should you, you know, provide as much detail as possible internally to the rest of the teams? Then they should be able to take that and run with it and make sure that they're kind of providing, um, exactly. that, you know, a more um, kind of catering to each of the individual customers to make sure their experience mm-hmm. is. Everybody's rallying around, you know, product adoption essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like another good thing, or not a good thing, but another point on product announcements is just there's more than that goes into it other than just like writing some words, right? Writing some copy. It's all about like the presentation of like the media, the gifts, the videos, if you're doing voiceovers for the videos, like all that stuff. Cause I know this episodes focused on product adoption, but another thing announcements serve is to like bring in prospects or like p- get people excited that aren't using your product, whether they're prospects or whether they're, they're other teams within an organization that are your customers that aren't currently using their product. Right. So like when they go on LinkedIn and they see that your company just released these features and maybe it's one of those features has been on their wish list and the tool they wanted to buy for a month now, like that gets excitement and now they're on your website looking at your product, looking at the pricing and trying to have a conversation with you. So it's, it's not always just about um, writing the announcement copy in a way that's valuable for your customers. It's also about if you're making these external, obviously, if you're making these um, announcements outside of just to your customers, it's also about making the copy exciting enough where people that have no knowledge of your product can get excited about maybe trying out your product. Yeah, and that's actually like a lot of, you know, parlor users
1: are, are doing just that. So, you know, being able to, you know, recognize which needs were, were brought up by specific customers, maybe lost leads or prospects and, uh, you know, being able to kind of easily surface up who this new release actually uh, is relevant to so that you can kind of present them with that. So it's a great opportunity to like re-engage quiet or, you know, quiet, customers or you know folks
0: who may have um, kind of been lost in the sales process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back to your point on like the training guides and like having clear documentation for other teams to kind of just run with and start creating their own content based on how the feature works or how it's going to work Um, it's also the the other aspect of product announcements is 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 following up with your customers to making to make sure that they actually saw the announcement or they're just aware that there's new features in the product that they may benefit from, right? Because people could also see the announcement and say, oh, this is cool. But then they have their own busy work days, lives that your product is such like a small fraction of like what goes into their brain for that day that they could just slip their mind. And so it's always nice to like bake in those reminders to have teams like reach out to the customers and say, hey, we released XYZ. We know you've been interested in it or we think you'll be interested in it. So let's schedule some time to quickly walk through, or you can just do like a quick like Loom video to say, hey, someone in the drop-in sends you a message about this new feature, here's how that works. Let me know if you have any questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's where um, you know having some sort of like metrics or tracking the ability to to track product adoption is super important. Um, You know, being able to to quickly see you know or even before that, looking at like who's opened my email, who's like clicked through on the email. um, That's that's all essential to to at least recognizing that somebody has that information. But the next step is uh, looking at product adoption. You know, from you know the actual uh, reporting. the analytics and saying hey who are the people who have used this functionality uh, you could even segment the users who have not yet engaged with this new functionality and, and kind of uh send them different um you know outreach or product marketing um i think that's something that you kind of build into your longer term product marketing strategy kind of specific uh features and, and looking at kind of success metrics and should customers have you know you know be you know, not you know taking advantage of of functionality that you think is valuable to them, making sure mm-hmm. that you um, segment them appropriately for uh, more
0: targeted outreach and and you know um, product marketing. Right. It's like who are the customers who requested this feature that's now released, and then who are also the the users who you think will get a lot of value out of it or should get a lot of value out of it, and tracking whether those people who are actually using the feature, and and if they aren't, like why aren't they using the feature? Is it because experiencing bugs that are blocking them from using the feature or is it because it's missing certain other elements that um, you need to build before they can actually get value out of and start using the new feature you just released mm-hmm. exactly and
1: it's it's more than just you know the an education and knowledge thing as well as uh just being able to you know recognize where there might be gaps in the product and the functionality so it's maybe expectations. that yeah, it's like there you know, sometimes there's an expectation that this functionality is gonna provide uh, you know, a level of value that is not met with, you know, the maybe this first iteration one point one of this feature. And um you're not gonna know that unless you engage with the users. And um I think that's where kind of the next step in in, you know, understanding product adoption comes is that's kind of the collection of feedback um step of things. So uh, yeah, at Parler, you know, we're a feedback company, we're very feedback oriented. Uh, but we're also very um, kind of we work very closely with our customers. And, you know, we're able to uncover a lot of feedback in a very direct way. Um, but you know, what we're, you know, very common with seeing folks do is, is, um, you know, send out surveys, um, you know, feature fit index is something that, uh, you know, we're familiar with and have built in Parler. But yeah, I'm curious, Cam, your thoughts on, you know, other ways and best practices for, um, you know, surfacing up insights about a
0: new release. Yeah, I think one of the things to to be uh, mindful of is like how like tech savvy your know, users or customers that you're actually talking to are, because they can have their own versions of um, ex- expectations of how something should work. Especially since we sell to like product people, and they can have their own like they sometimes try to like product your product and say oh you should have built this or this is how i would have built it and it's always good to keep in the back of your mind that, like they're your customers they're your users and so like to not get immediately defensive when somebody offers you feedback or suggestions on ways to improve your product because right because you spent however long weeks months it could be quarters years like developing a feature and then the minute you ask for some feedback people are just absolutely just roasting you like saying why didn't you do this And it's like oh that's a good point
1: point." Yeah. and so it's like it's that's like, my baby it's, <laughs> it's tough it's tough
0: man you spent all that time working on it right and it can be something like super obvious that's actually a really good point that just slipped your mind because you've been so in the weeds for so long about this one feature that you just completely missed something so obvious i don't know it can be like a command shortcut or something like that i don't know something super obvious that didn't even cross your mind that you're customer brings up within the first two seconds and like it's just always important to like not immediately become defensive once you're getting that feedback whether that's from your customers or there's from like the other teams within your company right so like the sales team the customer success team could be reviewing their product with you as you're trying to train them and they're just asking you these questions it's like it's important to not get um, defensive so that's that's probably one of the best things I would recommend it's super hard to do Cause you're just in the wings. It's your baby. Like you said, it's your little pup. <laughs> and once it's out in the wild, it's hard to, to not get defensive over what everyone's working so hard to, to do. <laughs> yeah. And what I
1: found is is actually easier sometimes, and I, I you know more programmatically I think of it as a, a the thing that I would do before I reach out or say, you know do any surveying directly is just reviewing uh, like user sessions. Uh, you know, there's plenty of tools out there like Full Story and LogRocket that you can use so that you can actually kind of view recorded sessions of your users, um, and you know by simply just kind of saying like, hey, this you know show me sessions from users who have visited this url and that url is you know the where how you access this new functionality or you know has engaged with it and you can quickly uh you know see who's in how they're interacting with it who's interacting with it and uh you know before needing to actually um you know speak directly with folks you can say oh we missed that oh this is not this is a very clunky uh ux you know and and learn a lot from that and you know, really the, the goal of that is to funnel that into what I think of is kind of like the last step in, in the process of, you know, pushing adoption is, is iteration, you know, it's like, we continue to improve upon what we already have so that people can, you know,
0: derive even more value and, you know, push adoption. A a big key to that is like putting yourself in the user's shoes, right? So, when you're either doing qa or just kind of walking people through the product you're going to know like the ins and outs of how everything should work and you get to, like put yourself in the mindset of somebody that has no context it's their first time seeing the feature they don't know how it works they don't know how it relates to other things they don't know all the different bugs and design reviews that went into making the feature so it's like putting yourself in that shoes with no context and saying all right this is my first time using the feature what do I think is, is wrong with it? What do I think can be improved? And what do I think is, is great at? And that's kind of a way to, like you said, to push iteration and also to reduce the defensiveness that you may have when people are giving you feedback on the new feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I
1: think that yeah, you have to you have to kind of remove yourself from yeah uh, you know the process. It's not personal, um, and you know I, I imp- actually I really like it when people do take strong stances when you know giving feedback about the product because um, you know that's that's really that shows me that they care and. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you want users who are excited about your product as you are. And uh, we're lucky that we have that, you know, by nature of just working closely with folks and, and showing them how excited we get about things. we We do get a lot of enthusiastic feedback. And I think that's kind of Around all of this is is trying to you know as a product person trying to you know be as close to the users as possible so you can empathize with them and you mm-hmm. know so you understand their needs as as closely as uh, as closely as possible and we're very fortunate that you know a good sizable portion of our user population are also product people so it's <laughs> we're, we're oftentimes just you know empathizing for for ourselves and uh, that definitely makes things easier
0: mm-hmm, for sure yeah and to and to wrap things up on like the the whole product adoption episode to me i think the the first step is just getting a shared understanding across the entire team if possible of how the feature actually works before it goes out and is released to your customers just so everybody's aware of um how it works maybe there's some bugs that you're going to choose to fix in the in the later release just because you wanted to get the feature out quicker and just so people aren't riding into support or your sales success support teams aren't just Pinging you in Slack with a thousand messages of like, why isn't this working? It's like, oh, because we didn't build it that way. So that's good feedback, and we'll we'll get it into a future release. Yeah. And with that, uh, I'd love to hear from folks, uh, about their
1: kind of post-release product adoption playlist. Uh, let us know, uh, if, if our sounds similar to yours, if you're doing things differently, we'd love to, you know, learn from others, even if we don't have a guest on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And be sure to smash that
1: subscribe button. <laughs> we'll see y'all in a couple weeks.